Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Square Ball Podcast, episode 152. I'm Dan Moylan, here with me, Michael Normanton. Hello. And Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. We need to explain ourselves right up front. We need to explain ourselves. So you might have noticed over the last couple of weeks and on this one as well, depending on where you are in the world, there's a little bit more commercial messaging here on the Square Ball Podcast. So we want to kind of uh, explain ourselves as well. Because we're doing more of these, we need to try and earn a bit of cash from it. Because if we can get the cash to support ourselves, then we can go full time. Going full-time means more podcasts for you, so it's kind of a win-win situation. We are doing a lot, actually. My my wife just assumes I'm having an affair, but because um, she doesn't listen. I mean, why would she? She gets to hear me every day at home for free. Um, <laughs> what a lucky woman. <laughs> but no, being able to, uh, to actually bring some cash home from this is, it would be well appreciated. What if she just thinks it's cash from your other woman? That should probably be all right with that as well, to be okay. honest. Win-win. Can't knock income streams, can you? So this week we are delighted to welcome on board Levi Solicitors. They've been big supporters of ours for uh, for a long time. If you buy the mag, you read the fanzine, you will have seen their adverts in the mag over the last few years. And we are delighted to welcome them on board with the podcast. In this year of anniversaries, it's their 85th year, so they are almost as old and established and part of the world as... Ken Bates. <laughs> I'm sure they're a lot nicer. They'll appreciate that link, I'm sure, yeah. Uh, there's no, well, there are no Chelsea links uh, whatsoever. They are pure Leeds, established Park Square 1934. Park Square's here. a very nice part of Leeds as well. If you're going to go for a, a solicitor's, get one in Park Square, especially one that's been there since 1934. And I think we're obliged to say these days they've got offices in the city centre. We've got St Paul Street, Round A, um, there's also outside of Leeds, Wakey, Harrogate, Manchester, London. So have a look on their website and they will sort you out. It's conveyancing, they do dispute resolution, wills, probate, employment, business, all sorts, negligence, which is what we need them for. (laughs) All that kind of stuff. So thank you again to them for coming on board. Though they don't do um, family law, so no use for me and my my impending divorce. Or Um, criminal law either. Indeed, so Derby County players, maybe go elsewhere. Right, then as part of our partnership, so Levi's are offering 10% of all legal fees to podcast listeners. So if you call them up, just mention the square ball when you speak to them. Their number is 0800 988 7756. 0800 988 7756. Their website is levissolicitors.co.uk. And Leeds United being 100 years old, it's the centenary this week, which is very exciting. And our commemorative issue three is out on sale for the centenary match against Birmingham. As always, check out the website for subscriptions and merch and clothing and mugs. The full shebang is at thesquareball.net. International week then, so no Leeds fixtures to review, but Leeds players in action then. Who have we got? Let's have a quick roundup. 
the Alioski versus Klitsch thing um, never actually happened, unfortunately. Cause it's a shame, isn't it? They left uh, they left Paul Klitsch on the bench, uh, but Poland did win 2-0, and so they have now qualified for the Euro, so we, we will hopefully have representation at an international tournament, which is always nice. That is exciting. It's been a while, hasn't it, apart from... Uh, did Heidi Sacco went to the African Cup of Nations and things like this? Possibly, but that was it was probably sympathy that he was invited along. Um, but um, Macedonia, so they lost that one, but they did win the previous game and are still in with a chance. So there's still a possibility of seeing Alioski on a big stage, which I think we can all look forward to. I just want to see him, you know, when they go down the line with the cameras during the national anthem. That's what I want to see. I want to see Alioski in that because he'll do some, there'll be some hijinks involved in that if he gets to a tournament. Interesting to watch England. Obviously, they just thumped Bulgaria last night uh, as we record this 6 0. See him um, against the Czech Republic when they lost 2 1, trying to play Bielsa ball. Mm. wasn't working was it well I tried to watch it and got so horrifically bored I ended up just looking at something I think it was a scroll to you know we just start staring at Twitter and not even thinking England kind of numbed me into that it might have been a good game I don't know this it, international break has been rough I think yeah the the first game it was Declan Rice trying to play the Calvin Phillips role and I mean he's been linked with like 100 million pound moves and he's shit from what I can see. Um, although it is, it is funny that he plays for England because it's really wound up my mate who is an Ireland fan because he you know, played for oh, them. Yeah, he, yeah. He's some friendlies and stuff, then chose to play for England. So it's been worth that. I, I have preferred to put him on the scrap heap now, to be honest. Now we've now we've got him tied to England. Just is, get rid of him. Um, is your mate an Ireland fan or is he just Irish? Well, he's, he's Irish parents, but he's English. Right. He supports Ireland at football. That's why I phrased it that way. Maybe so. he could switch as well. well just because he's eligible. <laughs> That's true, that's true. I was uh, going to say, as a man who is, he's picking and choosing and he's getting annoyed at Declan Rice. That is true, that is true. But Go back to him and tell him <laughs> all this. If he wants to have his cake and eat it. <laughs> and then we had uh, Keane at the back trying to play the Ben White thing. And again, pathetic. I think we just what we're saying is, in summary, England need Ben White and Calvin Phillips in there. But yep. they need them to be transferred to Liverpool and then they'll pick them immediately. We know how this works. Yeah. By and large. Uh, what of the Cookstown Cafu he played, didn't he? And he had a, a nice little moment in the sun. He was very good. This game as well was chronic, but it um, it provided the two probable highlights of the the week, Northern Ireland versus the Netherlands. Stuart Dallas, um, who did he steal the ball off? It was, well, he, he sort of left uh, Delict on his on his ass. the guy who went to Juventus for 75 million he in, licked, in summer. He licked didn't he? I thought he nicked the ball off him and then turned him twice. That'll- inside out. Uh, probably three or four times, and then uh, and then crossed superbly, possibly uh, the best cross a Leeds player has put in all season. <laughs> and he did it for Northern Ireland, got headed into the back of the net, and then um, and then at the other end, um, all the excitement. <laughs> Who was in net? Moscow. Uh, Bailey Peacock Farrell was in net, um, and he contributed literally, to, literally in the net, literally in the net on the floor, um, having dived he's very good I noticed this one of my if we go back to the York highlights video one of my favourites on that is the first one when um, the ball is already crossing the line into the net and he's on the penalty spot diving forward onto an imaginary <laughs> ball and this is pretty much what happened here again you could maybe say it's un- it's unlucky that the the Netherlands player the ball went beyond the back post and he tried to keep it in and ended up just kind of skying it in the air and it, it swirled around but as the yeah the Bailey just seemed to just dive. He went, he went early in this one, though. This was yeah. early rather than a late dive. The but ball, the ball was, wasn't there. No, the ball was not here. And it does seem like we know already that in Bailey Peacock Farrell's head, he is Juan Luigi Buffon. Like he's won World Cups. He is the greatest uh, goalkeeper that's ever been. And I think in his head again, 
it was a great save. It's just this imaginary game that he thinks he's playing doesn't manifest itself in the real world. But the replays, I mean, I don't need to make a, another video of it because just find the tweet with the, the replay from behind the goal. It's magnificent. I, I, watch, I have watched it over and over. Look, there he goes. Nope. Yes. <laughs> another angle. It's up in the air. Go on, Bailey, where's the ball? Nope, not there. It is like if you if you threw a ball at a dog, but then just put it behind your back, <laughs> pulled it away and pretended, and the dog just goes running off. Where's the ball? This is my favourite one, inside the net. There he is, on the floor. Ah, oh, there's the ball. In the net. Amazing. And I mean, I'm not saying that's why they dropped him for the next game, but he didn't play in the next game. Oh, they dropped him? I didn't realise that. He didn't play against the Czech Republic, and they went 3-0 up. Um, admittedly, the, uh, Michael McGovern did then let in two in a minute for a 3-2 win but I'm going to push the boat out and say neither of them were his fault much as I would generally bring the boat in and say all the goals they can see are Bailey Peacock Farrell's fault <laughs> yeah so yeah he's no longer I mean it was a friendly so I don't know if they were maybe experimenting or maybe they just thought they'd better just get the good goalkeeper back in because they'd had enough I'm enjoying how this has uh, turned into a genuine full-blown grudge that was just a point of humour well who that. does he play for now? Uh, I'm not sure well nobody essentially but that was the thing it was always kind of it was a worry when he was at Leeds, but you know I was prepared to wish him all the best and hope he would come through and be our number one goalkeeper for 20 years. I must have missed the episode where you wished him all the best. <laughs> but now he's gone to uh, wherever it was, Berry, but it might as well have been. He's playing as many games as they are. Uh, fuck him. Okay. Unless, as I say, this is probably the best thing that happened in the, uh, the last two weeks of international football because, yeah, the rest of it seemed pretty chronic. Eddie and Ketty scored, though. Penalty. Even that's not that exciting. He won it though as well. It was a nice mm. run to win it. And there was a little clip of him in training which made everyone on Twitter immediately declare him better than Bamford because he scored, he beat someone in training. Everyone's like, you see, that's why he needs to start. It's like, well... Did Bamford then retweet that goal when he scored the volley and uh, Bielsa hugged him? <laughs> that's old news now, Patrick. Nobody cares. Uh, Jack Clark might well be finished in his professional career but he played for England under-20s, 2-2 draw against Italy. How did he play? Don't know. Is England under twenties like England schoolboys used to be, where it's like you're not actually going to ever play for England, but you get to play at Wembley. It's like a, a consolation prize. Because England, the under twenty ones are the proper team, aren't they? Mm. The you under twenties are just in between. You'd have to expect that Jack Clark is going to return to Tottenham in January, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I saw actually some Spurs fans on Twitter saying that they need to get him back and put him in the team. That's how bad Spurs have got that they've decided a lone player out of the Championship who can't get on, on our bench is going to sort them out and get them straight back in the Champions League places. Well, we know this script, though. I mean, he will go back to them in, in January, having not featured for us at all. And at the end of the season, he'll be winning. He'll score the winner in the, the Champions League final. It's absolutely written. <laughs> Mind you, if you are to believe the rumours about the, shall we say, unsettled dressing room at Tottenham, mm. I'm not sure whether a young uh, teenage boy will be the answer to those particular problems. Maybe you could get uh, Levi Solicitors. Oh, they don't do family law, do they? Sorry, never mind. Sorry about that. Uh, Alfie McCalmont as well got an assist. Northern Ireland under-21s lost to Denmark. Uh, Ryan Edmondson played further down the um, the age pyramid. Under-19s, I'm still confused by the sheer number of England mm. underage. That was uh, his uh, Marbella stag do, wasn't it? The, ah, the yeah. France game. And has he returned without any injuries or arrests? Or oh, We're not going to play him anyway, are we? No. <laughs> Uh, no, and Kenny was he was playing for the under seventeens. Um, two games in two days, as far as I could tell, came off the bench 
in a three-all draw with Germany, and I think they played Germany again the next day. But I don't, I can't remember if he, if he played or not. I mean, there is that a sound, point that sounds very amateurish. We're so desperate for uh, for any football to have happened that we're scrabbling around to see what the under 17s are doing in what sounds like a kickabout. I mean, I'm sure you remember in the distant past being a teenage boy. You had a lot of energy, <laughs> a lot of lead in the pencil. Twice in two days is fine, then. Twice in two months would be good now. <laughs> We've got another podcast that we do every week, extra content for you. It's $2.99 a month. It's called The Extra Ball. Your first month's free. This week, we're pitting you two against one another, head-to-head. Who's going to triumph in picking Leeds United's worst back four? And I get to be the judge of this as well and award the uh, the winner a winning point. I think we're going to give out a point each time. Give out three. Why not? <laughs> Ten. Does that leave, the, is it three for a win and one for a draw? That'll do. That's fine by me then. Um, some candidates that we're going to be uh, trashing in that. Anybody good? Nobody good. <laughs> no, Nobody good. Point. Nobody good, exactly. <laughs> but lots of bad ones. I think Belusky might uh, might figure in that one. As well as that, we are kicking off our rerun of the 01-02 season on Championship Manager. We're going to right some wrongs. That's what we're going to do. Change the past. If you want to get involved in this, the squareball.net forward slash the extra ball. Okay then, boys. What is Andrea Rodrizani up to? What's he doing? What's he playing at? <laughs> he, he seems to be shocked now that journalists are reporting the things he's said. That's yes. it, that seems to be his latest thing. The, the key line, when I started reading the interview, when my heart sank was the line, I'm telling you more than I've ever told anybody. Or words along, I'm giving you more information than I've ever given to anybody else. Andrea, he's a journalist. No, he's fine. He's my friend. <laughs> he bought me a cup of tea. Yes. So what do we make of it then? Why, why? The question I was left with is not what he said, because it was all pretty much stuff that we'd known apart from these other two parties, these mm. three three parties, including QSI, who were angling for shares in Leeds United. So we, we kind of knew most of this anyway. But why? This is, this is what I can't get to the bottom of. Why has he done this interview? Because let's put it in context. He's not just happened to bump into uh, Martin Ziegler in the street or whatever and gone, oh, Martin, let me tell you what I'm up to. By the sounds of it, he's invited him to Leeds. They've arranged to do an interview. They've been out for a copper or whatever and done it. So why? Why has this happened? I think the the key part probably comes at the end when he says uh, something along the lines of this, uh, uh, the sleeping giant is now awake and now it it needs to start making some noise. So it's very much... It's the centenary week, we're turning 100 on Thursday, and here's a chance for Andrea Rodgersani to talk about all the everything he's done that's good, and now that he's woken up this sleeping giant, and uh, and so, oh, and so what are you going to do in the future? Well, I've not told, I'm going to tell you more than I've told anybody, but you know that uh, the Qatar takeover talk, well, yeah, they're interested in investing, blah, 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 and then, yeah, the, the journalist ends up naturally, goes, well, oh, that's the most interesting part of this, this interview, I'll put that at the top. And I think the fact that Radrizani then went back on uh, Twitter, because obviously this is the best way of resolving everything, and tweeted at Martin Ziegler, who wrote it, said, the talk was about how Leeds will be again competitive and how we are working hard to be back at the top club again and eventually, when it makes sense, open to other partners. Thank you. I think he's just not thought through what he's saying. Why? This this is a man with his background in PR, for God's sake. Well, I mean, he's got a master's degree in it. (laughs) But then his work was just buying and selling broadcasting rights. Okay, then let's phrase the question another way. Is he this naive, Michael? I can only imagine he's done this on purpose. He surely knows they will print that. It's the the richest people in world football. He's, He's basically dangling in front of us and going, these guys, maybe, and if not them, a rich American Leeds fan, 
an Italian. Doesn't sound as good. He kind of did him in, you know, that's the that's the kind of order everyone wants them in, isn't it? There's the big Qatar money. There's the rich American Leeds fan. Then there's the Italian owner who already owns a club, and you think mm, that one sounds a bit iffy. I don't know. It, it feels potentially like he's doing a bit of a a fishing exercise for what exactly? I'm not sure whether it's for other investors to to have a look at it, whether it's just to get a bit more publicity around around the club for centenary stuff. I don't know. He, I mean, he does say that um, the financial support is more important when you're in the Premier League, which kind of alludes to things that we've said before about financial fair play and how even if Qatar did come in, they can't just go have a billion pounds, finally buy David Nugent and get out of this league. <laughs> you've you've got to do it in a more sensible way. But why now? I'm not quite sure. That's why I do think there's some naivety as part of this because there's, I think in his head there's nothing substantially that he hasn't said before. It is all. It's all still exactly the same message that FFP is a bastard, and getting to the the Premier League changes the opportunities he had. It means he can bring different investors on board, and we've heard all that. And then um, we know that he's spoken to QSI. That's kind of been pretty much said, not as strongly as this, but I think he's maybe just not thought that this is any different to anything he's he's said before. He's just reiterating the stance, but the way he's phrased it with this detail of this running order of potential investors yeah it's it depends on how that line was said of whether it was i'm going to tell you more than anybody else don't print or whether it is that is the calculated moment but but then if it was calculated i don't understand then the the reason to reply to him on twitter and say no that's not what we we talked about because it just adds more confusion if he was happy if that was the message you wanted to put out then there wouldn't need to be this then this follow-up Late on the next day, it was about it was mid afternoon, wasn't it? And it come out, so I could picture them all day in the boardroom going, "Do we tweet? Do we tweet to him? Phone him? If he's lost his number?" Do you know what know. this this does? This um, it kind of fuels this little grey area around Radrazani, I think, because I think he's well intentioned. Do you agree? He's he's well intentioned. Our goals coincide pretty much with his goals at this stage, as things stand. He needs to get promoted. We need to get promoted all good but this kind of just this little maybe 5% grey area where you think why is he doing this what is he up to the message he maybe did want to get out was because he, he seems to talk about this in every interview about how much he has invested so far and saying I've put all I put 90 million in, I think before it was 100 million I think he's changed his amount slightly but anyway he's put a lot of money in the club's making losses he props that up but they're continuing to invest stuff like that if if that's the message he was trying to get out and then he's maybe been caught out a bit by someone going what about External investment, we just did a look at that and he's just gone, blah, 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 I told <laughs> and had repeated every conversation he's had with, with investors over the last few months. Then maybe he's been caught out on that when all he wanted to do is a simple bit of PR to say, I'm doing a good job. I know I know people are saying buy a centre back, buy a striker, but, but even there's a lot of money in there. The most basic of businessmen knows that if you're talking to multiple potential investors, you don't start go splurging information out in the press about them unless there is a reason behind it. That is one really curious thing about this, because if you are the, the American super fan and you're reading this and you go, oh, I'm in second place and you're talking to those other guys, I didn't know about that. Um, I thought I was, you know, we were doing a deal next week. It, then that is that is really strange. And it's um, and if they do have a, a conversation about investment in the future, then that guy's probably going to be like, well, are you still talking to QSI? Unless they all know about it all already and it's and he is open with them as he is with a, a journalist where he says like oh yeah you're you're definitely in the running to to invest at the moment but my mate from 
Qatar, obviously, because I've known him for years. He's he's first in line, so I'm going to try and do something to him. And if the American is like, hey, that's okay, um, <laughs> then then maybe it is as, as simple as that. It, it, it is straight. Like, it's hard to work out with... Uh, you're right, it is that 5% of grey with Radrizzani, where I think we can be fairly confident he is not legal at it. Um, so this is not personal to anybody, but he's he's not somebody who is siphoning money out of a football club. I think he's trying to make uh, the football club as successful and therefore as valuable as it can be. Um, there's not like a, a shortcut to personal wealth for him here. We ha- we can see tangible improvements at the club and where that money is going. Bielsa is costing a lot of money, but we can see, you know, it's fucking Marcelo Bielsa, so he's there. It's not like we've given... Six million pound a year to Paul Heckingbottom and his staff. There's there's <laughs> there's work there that's that's succeeded, but he does just the world he's come from. His mates are QSI that he's worked with for years. His mates are in Myanmar. That was a completely uncomfortable link. Um, Ivan Bravo has gone away now, but like you know, these are his uh, these are the people that he he knows and he does business with on a a regular basis, and so that's sort of how he ends up presenting himself where it's just like yeah qsi american dude whatever italian club owner he's got his mates into milan hasn't he so it's all it's all the the world he comes from i don't know if he necessarily understands that it's uh it gets received in a, a certain way maybe he doesn't even know that uh what's his face and qsi is all that rich <laughs> just thinks he's his mate like, i've just been showing off a bit as well so, oh look i've got an american friend i've got an italian friend i've got somebody in the middle east friends all over the world me rich ones i always remember that uh chilino at the, the press conference where he introduced dave hockaday where he's like i know maradona i know van basten i know Hullitz, i know everybody and and i've got dave hockaday <laughs> um there's maybe a, a little bit of that with it as well it's like yeah i've got all these guys in there the, the bragging side of it as well, because that it kind of goes back to as well him saying how much is invested. It's a bit like I, th- I think he's trying to maybe make people feel grateful, but it's like if you go mm. to someone's house and they go, "Do you like that wine?" Go, yeah, it's it's nice. They go, hundred quid that. You have to be all like, oh, right. Yeah. Do you like that striker who just uh, put the put that shot over the bar? <laughs> Seven million quid that. <laughs> be nice to Patrick. We yeah, I be know, nice I know. to Patrick. But now. there is, I think, there's an element there as well where I think because there is so much attention on on what Radrizzani has done at Leeds. And this is where maybe his uh, his PR chops, such as he has them, he's not been front and centre of any business until Leeds United, really. He was part, he was the second in command at MP and Silver, where he made his uh, his millions. And the concentration on that, I think he feels this urge to, to self-justify because he wants to be popular and he wants recognition for the good things he's done. And let's, you know, be fair... Um, when did we last spend seven million pounds on a striker? Like it's the sort of stuff that, for years under Bates and GFH and Chilino, we were crying out it's like, "Go and start spending some money on some really good players." No, we better ones. About, better well, ones yeah, exactly. That. And we can talk about where that money's come from. That we had to sell uh, good players to sign those players, and whether he's invested enough personally. But the the, the switch of focus from pissing money up the East End to pissing money up Patrick Bamford. Is really is really positive. Like I would much rather us have Patrick Bamford and the hope that he might start scoring goals this season, even if and, he's covered in piss. And in May, he is our piss covered hero. <laughs> then you know, no, I mean, I might not hug him under those circumstances, but I'll uh, I'll I'll put on a latex glove and shake his hand. Um, but it's great that that's where the and I think he feels the need to make sure that uh, the fans who are critical 
which he's perhaps not used to and doesn't understand the history of the, the club up to now that he's he's inherited or well not inherited he's bought he feels that need to self-justify and say look I have bought all this money in and I have got plans of like we are going to have this investment and I'm doing a good job like please stop tweeting at me every time I just put a photo of myself with the 49ers when I went and had a nice time watching a game of gridiron and all I get on Twitter is sign a left back not sign a left back sign that was fucking Chilino's kids that we used to ask for that sign a centre back when I signed Ben White and I think that that does um because we have seen him re- respond to fans that way I think he does feel the need like he, he needs to put stuff out there when wisdom might suggest it'd be better to just shut the fuck up yeah let's move it on then from that into on a similar theme Sean Harvey we touched on uh, previous regimes there not about Leeds United ownership so much this one but we have to mention this because it's just so ridiculous but it's pure Sean it's pure uncut Sean is this one uh, wanting to host the Carabao Cup draw in space why is it, Why did the EFL want to do that the EFL didn't he did well yeah, why did Sean want to do that Sean Harvey <laughs> think, he thinks he's full of good ideas the rest of this interview was shit as well because it's basically him just going through saying I had loads of good ideas anything that bad that ever happened while I was there even if that was my idea that was because my idea wasn't done properly Yeah, um, I would have fixed probably everything no clubs would have gone under if they'd just done what I said um, and I have no regrets and it's it basically fuck everyone else because I'm really good the checker trade trophy is his Steve Morrison isn't it people will be talking about that cup in a few years and be saying that's a legend uh, Sean Harvey started that and even the TV deal that he basically got booted out for Still very proud of that as well. And let's not forget, I mean, you talk about clubs not going under, had they just listened to him? He does have vast experience in that department. Three administrations for Sean. He's been there and done it. And we talk about, yes, we've just been discussing Radwitzani's sort of wide-eyed naivety in the face of the press. Can you imagine Sean Harvey sitting down with this this interviewer, I can't remember who wrote it, um, and saying, but yes, you may not know this, but you'll think this is great. Uh, we were talking to the International Space Station about holding the Carabao Cup draw in space. That's a great idea, isn't it? And you can, you can picture the journalist sitting there going like, this is a fucking great headline. <laughs> Sean, tell me, tell me more about that brilliant idea. Well, I knew you'd see the sense of it, but then at the EFL, they had no idea. I was talking to the uh, International Space Station. They're like... Yeah, and not with absolutely no awareness of and, how that will then be pitched. And the funny thing is, they rang me, and it sounded just like the guy who works in the office next door. But it it, it was the International Space Station. On, on a logistical point of view as well, you know, they draw the balls out of a, a bowl or a bag or whatever, and they put them on a table. They float. They put them in those little not those table with the holes in it. Mm. The balls would float, so it wouldn't work. I would add as well. Morrison's Fish Isle is a better place. If they didn't call him and he called them, who do you phone? What's the phone number for the International Space Station? Google it, don't you? NASA. Are they still in charge of it? NASA? Well, that's it. It's international. So are you talking to the Russians? Are you talking to, to China are involved? Like, who who is the con- the point of contact for the know. International I mean, Space Station? Sean, known for his uh, high-level quality administration, trying to get through to the ISS, he probably phoned ISIS. <laughs> Which would have been a good idea as well. <laughs> Faxing them. <laughs> Here's my proposal <laughs> for the Carabao Cup draw. Well, his replacement at the EFL is Rick Parry, who is the guy who used to run the Premier League and then went on to be the CEO of Liverpool before its American takeover. And Rick Parry, uh, it needs to be approved by the EFL, but he has, to the best of our knowledge, no football administrations to his name. So he's already starting three behind Sean there. That is good. I think they've gone, they've gone down the route of employing someone who's fucked things up horrendously before maybe go down the route of someone who hasn't wasn't he in status quo as well (laughs) 
Yes, I'm sure, yeah. On the, Rick Parfit, same, right. I'm just getting a handle on who he is. <laughs> close enough, yeah, close enough. Well, hot off the presses, we've just learned that uh, the two Derby players, Lawrence and, and Bennett, have pleaded guilty to their charges. So that I think we're on slightly safer legal ground as well. So possibly uh, just back off a little bit, Levi Senators. <laughs> Not only to uh, drink driving, but they've also pleaded guilty to failing to stop at the scene of an accident, which does make it sound like the the alleged stories, the allegations of uh, Andrew Keogh. Why do I always think it's Andrew Keogh, <laughs> who is happy... Uh, in Australia, as far as I'm aware, Richard Keogh being left in the back of a car with um, with his broken legs and improved face <laughs> were all true. Can they not be charged with an additional crime for leaving him, leaving leaving a hot leaving a dog in a hot car, that sort of a, a thing, leaving an injured an injured mutant in the back of a car? <laughs> Maybe they're still just trying to work out how they uh, how they store. Akio in those situations you have to take him to like Area 54 or something for further research Is that Area 54 near Area 51 just around the corner? Uh, yes it, I was confused I think the Studio 54 must be it's where they have the parties isn't it? <laughs> the discos the alien discos very good and from one Keo onto another let's talk Helen Keo. who's Helen Keo, Moscow you know Helen Keo. you may have heard her previously referred to as Helen Castle if you've been following Leeds United story since, I don't know, 2011. And I'm sure we must have mentioned her plight on the, the square ball um, back in the day because she was hired as Ken Bates's, um, and I checked, he used to refer to her as a museum lady. <laughs> We've got the museum lady, <laughs> sorting out. Um, and yeah, she was, Ken Bates uh, brought her in uh, because the East Stand, when that was uh, redeveloped, was going to have a museum inside and they went as far as getting a proper museum curator, um, Helen, to come and do it. And she um, she was lost in there for a while. I can remember we were putting out a bit of a missing persons bulletin in case she was still in prison somewhere in the, the caverns of the, the East Stand that Bates always used to refer to as well. He claimed he'd found some caves underneath. The, the catacombs. The catacombs that they were going to try and work out what to do with. Um, and she came back this year. So... Um, for the centenary, they've had her working on the club's heritage again, and uh, and knowing that she was um, safe and well, I took the opportunity to go and um, interview her for the new issue of the Square Ball and find out first of all that she's she's safe, <laughs> which is a relief, and um, and yeah, started talking to her about what she was actually doing back in two thousand and eleven when she saw that the club were planning a museum. And as a Leeds fan and a, a proper museum... Museum lady. Museum lady. Um, got in touch, got the job, and uh, and then was put to work. So it was all underneath the South Stand, and it, I think it was called The Void at that time. Right. Um, and it kind of went round in a curve. So you went through the door, propped it open, and then the, there was just so much stuff, unbelievable amount of stuff, but like with no order at all um I think the year before I started there was the exhibition at the Leeds City Museum which was the game of two halves so it was half of it was about the FA Cup and then half about the city uh, the history of the club so some of the items that had been used for that were kind of put by the door and right. were like you know readily available um but apart from that everything kind of had been in piles and hadn't obviously had been gone through at all for I don't know how long so that was just amazing mm. but also like quite daunting to kind of start from that beginning point and also I started in September 
So it got progressively colder and colder. So I just used to kind of walk out of the office and put on, you know, two pairs of trousers, a couple of fleeces, get my jumper, like scarf and hat because it was it was kind of like being like outside. So it was, yeah, quite a different quite a different thing, kind of going from the office and then like wrapping up warm and getting outside and and filing an HR complaint, probably, and working under those those conditions. They did move most of it once it was it was reasonably sorted. They moved it back into the East End, where it's a bit warm. Still to underground. Work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was in the, the void. I remember when um, I tried to find it again, but I think it, it's long gone. There was a photo tweeted at the time of the, the the stuff that she was dealing with, and it was like a massive mound of rubbish. And I always remember it had Ellie the elephant's head perched on top, which she assured me um, does now have. A reference number and is on the the database and is in the the Leeds United archive uh, forever. And some of the other stuff she found. So this is about a couple of things from before 1956, because one of the the problems Leeds United has with its history that we're dealing with in this centenary week is that the uh, the main stand burnt down um, after it'd been up for 50 years with 50 years of stuff in it. So there is a, a bit of um, excitement, if anything, from before the fire crops up. I was really taken with the um, the engine plate from the old steam engines, um, the football class mm-hmm. ones. Um, I loved the Leeds United one and that was in there um, and that hadn't been on display for a while because I think it used to be above the west stand before the front of that changed. Right. I think it was on display. Um, so that was amazing to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and just things like... Um, Items pre-1956, anything I come across, I just still, it's really interesting to me because because of the fact there was the, the fire in 1956. Um, so one of my, you can't have a, well, yeah, I guess you can. One of my favourite items is a scrapbook from when the English football team went to South Africa for a tour in 1939. Mm. Um, and they there were two Leeds players that went, um, Ken Gadsby and George Ainsley. And there's a cap from that tour. And there's also various um, photographs that were in newspapers, there were programmes, there was the, um, the programme of the tour, so which also, it was two or three weeks to get there in the first place because it was going by boat and then like all the different matches they played whilst out there and and then the match reports and then getting back and I love looking at that because it really shows how much life has changed Mm. in that time and like the life of a footballer you know like the Leeds team all went to Australia pre-season but have gone on a plane like it's just so different to think of like going and spending weeks on a boat and like just so interesting at that time, very different and politically kind of what was what was going on. It was yeah, so I find that really, really interesting. Um and just yeah, just things that like scrapbooks I find really fascinating. And people have donated scrapbooks to the club and seen their interest um in the clippings that they put in. It's just yeah, fascinating. I wonder if she had a chance to speak to Ken about his um African tour that he took took Oldham on when they went to Rhodesia in the sixties. I I didn't ask that. I did I did ask how uh, how the job sort of drifted away because it, it did all seem to just go quiet. And what seems to have happened is that the uh, the increasing distractions throughout the twenty tens meant that when GFH took over and were kind of turfing everybody out, she got turfed out as well. Twenty thirteen. Um, there was a lot going on with projects in the community, going to museums and uh, and showing the collection to children. And there was a 
featuring the programme using objects from the archive. But yeah, the NER 2013, it all ground to a halt. Yeah, and cost. I mean, she wouldn't need to have uh, been there anymore. They don't need a museum curator when you've got David Hay coming in with his vast experience of running McDonald's. I believe he curated a museum when he was a teenager. Undoubtedly. Both um, in Salford and in Leeds and in Cornwall. At the same time. I was gutted because it's, it's a great place to work and I was working with a collection that I loved and being a fan, like it was, you know, really hard to kind of walk away from it um and yeah it was it was really hard really hard but I was proud because I never in my life I always said it was my dream job and I never kind of thought that I would work here so it was amazing and like I think it's you know it's with all of these things at first you're like oh and then you're like oh no I had it and it was brilliant so whatever else happens. And like, it was an amazingly different experience for somebody who'd kind of worked for charities and in local authority. And it's like a totally different um, environment. Mm. And it was, it's just fascinating. Yeah, working for David Haig, I think is probably, <laughs> and Ken Bates going to be different under any circumstances. But yes, yeah, so she went back to Cumbria, was working in museums up there. But then uh, this year, obviously the archive is stayed behind um, and with the centenary coming up the club cottoned on to the good idea of getting her back to do some stuff for the centenary and also to make it sort out after five years as well apparently it needed a bit of uh, TLC and it's had that and you can read about the rest of that in the new issue of the square ball that's what this is all uh, leading to leading yeah. to that yeah she sounds really nice she sounds too nice for Leeds United I mean yeah it's certainly I, I wished her a better fate than working for for Ken Bates, but um, she seems to have come through it very well. And there is, yeah, I suppose the big result of um, of this year is that there's now a, an exhibit in the Leeds City Museum to do with the the centenary. So as part of the Leeds story, there is a there's a case there that's got um, it's got a copy of Leeds 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 with a photo of Luciano Becchio on the front, which I was very pleased to see. And there's um, there's the cine films of the um, FA Cup final from 1972. And there's an old uh, big ledger of gate receipts that are handwritten in from the early 60s. Uh, there's a supporters club um, and football club yearbook from 1933 that's um, full of interesting stuff. And that's it's taken since 2011 to now to actually get that done. But um, yeah, Helen can be pretty proud of herself for uh, for carrying it through. 100 years, eh? 100 years. It's felt, I mean, the last year felt like 100 years. I don't know about that to you. The, well, the last... 10 years really has been has been very tough. Well, 15, 15 years now, isn't it? We're probably up to maybe even longer. Too long, too long. <laughs> but when it does turn and, and if and when we do go up, let's, you know, fingers crossed it is this season that it's going to be got a lot of fun, isn't it? I think we're going to have a lot of fun when we go up. And I think the Bielsa section of any of any history of Leeds United is going to be a glorious one as well. There's going to be so much to report on. That's yeah. kind of the, the necessity for going up this year is so we get one more year Hopefully that he'll stay in the Premier League because we need that part of the, the story. Bielsa in the Premier League, we can't, we can't have the world's greatest manager, possibly, and uh, and just piss about with him in Division Two. No, the story doesn't end like that, does it? It ends with him taking us up and giving it a stab in the Premier League, which I think is probably what he wants. The one hundred and first year of Leeds United will be incredible. A new century, unlike the first one, just riddled with success and financial <laughs> prosperity and that kind of stuff. Well, we are having a party uh, and it's happening in Millennium Square in the centre of Leeds on Thursday the 17th of October between 3 and 6.30. Very short notice, this. But the Skylights are playing and we've uh, we've featured them a lot. They're, uh, go down and listen to them. I think the Leeds players are there as well, so... 
Yeah, I don't know if they're going to put them all on stage together. It will be quite interesting to see if they have to like stand while the band are playing at the back, kind of bopping awkwardly. Recreate that 97-98 kit launch with uh, Jimmy Hasselbank and Nigel Martin dancing on stage, maybe. I think that was at Studio 54, wasn't it? Area 54, whatever you called it, Moscow. Looked like a lot of fun. But you um, play Nigel Martin looks like a mutant. No, but I, what I do want to see is I want to see a kit reveal for this one as well. I want to see the Millennium, millennium kit, the, um, the Centenary kit. That's what I want to see. It does seem to be the thing that people care about most. Yeah. They're putting on the thing in Millennium Square. There's these two once-in-a-lifetime dinners. There's the uh, street party on the day. But I'm just like, nope, yours a kit. Well, it does feel like, because we, we've given them a bit... The home kit's average, mm. and the away kit is not a Leeds kit. But I think we've forgiven them that on the understanding that this kit gets it right. Phil Hay has dropped some hints. Phil Hay claimed that there was actually a, a video on Twitter that included it that everybody somehow has missed apart from his fucking second sight powers. Um, and it says it's uh, all white and very traditional. So that seems we're not going to go down the route of it being like a, a tribute to last year's Kappa away kit or something daft. It is going to be um, all white and traditional by the sounds of things, which is a relief. And uh, I heard it's a patchwork of every shirt we've ever worn. <laughs> well, 10 square centimetres of each. There's still the third kit as an opportunity as well. So this won't be the last kit we see this season. So there's plenty of opportunities for uh, for something else. But as long as we're well-dressed against Birmingham, it doesn't matter what the score is after that, does it? <laughs> Course not, mister. Course not. Well, hopefully we win. Hopefully we have a nice time in Millennium Square on Thursday. And hopefully Berardi's going to be there because he's, uh, I mean, it happened just after we recorded the last one, is... Um, his red card was overturned, wasn't it? Yeah, they it? couldn't have banned him from this, although they would have banned, it's just occurred to me, Jordan Stevens yeah. wouldn't have been allowed to go, would he, if, the, if his ban hadn't run out before now? Is it just music? No, we're going to talk about football. Nah. <laughs> football <No>. shirts? <laughs> will he be with some other, who will he be with? Well, the first, no, can't have that, sorry. But no, everybody can go. Uh, another detail from uh, Phil Hay, he said that sources have told him that uh, James Linnington was... Uh, basically shouted at by the, the referees management committee and um, and he didn't have a game at the weekend and he, he said don't know what you can read into that because obviously there weren't any Premier League or Championship fixtures but he wasn't given like a, a League 1 or 2 game either um, so whether he was given a he was sat on his hands as, uh, as what's-his-face said he should or whether he was just um, masturbating himself into a frenzy because he was still so pleased about sending uh, Berardi off and getting away with the penalty award because they, although they have overturned the red card the first Leeds United red card overturned since Alan Thompson in 2007 mm-hmm. the penalty was fine yeah and, they, no, and no need for, to punish um, that diving bastard no because there was clearly contact from they presumably the um, well, what they, they said, have I'm more gonna, angles no I'm going to try and be fair now I'm going to try and be fair and say that what they said was it didn't meet the threshold for passing it onto the independent panel to look at it which is I think I took that to mean that there wasn't They're cowards that and they hadn't found an angle that conclusively showed there was no contact I don't necessarily what think- about all the ones I've seen <laughs> I was going to say the angles that do exist show there was no contact yes so what, so what more... But what I'm saying is they can't say with absolute certainty that he didn't brush him at well, some point. they can. Point. Just look at the video. Well, I know that. I'm Do just... they need to be Tom Bradshaw? Is that what you're saying? They need to be able to get Derek Akora to take over his body or something. See, was there contact? Was there contact? <laughs> you know, it, the bar is ridiculous. If that, if that video isn't enough to say, yes, he's dived, then I don't know what would be. I mean, he, he did dive. I'm he just, did dive. I want to say for the record, he dived. He dived blatantly and obviously and in a way that was 
likely to get a player sent off as well as winning a penalty. It's a double cheat. And we don't get the points back. That's no. the other thing as well. Basically, I want Bradshaw to be banned for life. <laughs> as well as the ref. What's his name? Lillington. Yeah. The pair of them. Ejected from John Stevens style. Banned from all football activities for at least six weeks. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. One of our historical features is the Blasphemy Baton. You might have to go back some episodes if you're a new listener. And 100 one. years of the Blasphemy Baton. <laughs> it feels like, feels like it now. I think we did ages ago. Can't well, be honest. It's God. It's as old as time. The place to go if you want to check that out is Ross Chaplin on Twitter, whose handle is at Mason Cooper 4. It's with Red Star Belgrade, or to give them their proper name. <laughs> on to the Booze Baton, which currently, again, International Week, so that's still with Wolverhampton, which will determine the location of our end of season promotion party. Uh, Eden J. Harris, our mate Garden on Twitter, he came up with this after hearing the blasphemy baton and said, right, we'll start it in Leeds at the start of the season and whoever beats Leeds, Stoke did it in the League Cup, they'll take possession of it, etc., etc., uh, currently with Wolves. Ross Chaplin is very much the Adam and Eve of uh, Eden's garden, isn't he? And just exploring the way they're, they're both linked. We've got the, the garden, the Garden of Eden. It was beautiful to see them all united together um, for the first time since Genesis. Not the band. There's, the a, Phil, there's a Phil Collins joke there. <laughs> Birmingham at the weekend then, 100 years of history on the line. Lose this and it was all pointless. Come on, Pep. Pep Clotet. Do us a solid here. Just lie down. I think the the downside of Berardi's getting his red card overturned is that he can now get sent off in our centenary (laughs) match, which is going to be a a bit of a shame for him. So, question number one, what will we be wearing? Well, traditional and all white. Works for me. What will Birmingham be wearing? Will they still be wearing their white shorts? Will they have to... What's their away kit this year? Is it is it our away kit from last year again? Because they, they turned maybe, up basically dressed like us, didn't they? Maybe that we should put them in a hundred year old kit. <laughs> maybe we could also like get them to play some players from a hundred years ago. Then we might have a chance. Big heavy cotton shirts for them. Yeah, um, old hobnail boots, <laughs> belts. Need a belt with your football shorts. Their away kit is all black, and their third kit this season is the uh, is our old one. So it's going to be good versus evil, then more or less. I'm down with that. Works for Although, me. Uh, yeah, absolutely works for me. That uh, strawberry blonde idiot isn't there anymore, is he? Monk. 
no Gary Monk yet to, to mess it up this time for us. So They do have Alistair Crowley's son as their most assists. They've got two assists, uh, Daniel Crowley. I assume because they have the same name, they're related. But uh, yeah, noted occultist Alistair Crowley, who uh, investigated a lot of uh, the works of the devil during the 20th century. Um, so yeah, it is good versus evil. We've got to we've got to nullify a child of a Satanist. Naradi <laughs> can mark him, and then that might give him the the, the, the power and the purity of uh, of Ross and Eden from the the booze and the blasphemy patterns to to see him through the game without getting sent off. We need to play the game here and not the occasion, don't we? No, I'll play the occasion. I want us to. Uh, I wanted to play by 1919 rules. Having looked at their strengths, I don't really want to play this game anyway. They're very strong at aerial duels, strong at attacking set pieces and protecting the lead. Mm. So they're basically going to score from a corner probably 30 minutes in and then waste time and frustrate us. Very similar to last year. Yep. But you will win some money out of it. That's probably true, actually. I need to put that bet on. Profiting from our, our failures of history. No, but we're better than these lot. Like, we're better than just about every team in this division. They do seem to be pretty shit. I mean, Djokovic is their top scorer and he's got three, and that's not much. Um, (laughs) They're 12th. Three is the magic number, though. They've got a goal difference of minus three. One five, drawn one, lost five. So they can't be that good. And, you know, Pep Clotets is a nice guy, but, I mean, he couldn't even get the best out of Alex Mowat at Oxford, couldn't he? So um, their best player again this year seems to be that um, Pedersen, who they cheated to sign when they were supposed to have a transfer embargo. So their their points, their walking points deduction is is still their best player. And I think he should have been Jordan Stevens out of the game <laughs> before now. But um that will be re we'll play yeah, play play nineteen nineteen rules and just throw in a few surprise rugby tackles. No offsides. Let's well, try and some offsides but you have like let's try and at least players. let's try and at least have some analysis based around the game and where you think we are. Because we had a little bit of a wobble before the international break. It obviously ended a little bit annoyingly at, uh, at Millwall, but now we're back on the horse. Well, hopefully we're going to have Pablo back, and for sure, I think. We've not heard anything from the club in a while. Yeah, it's possible. So that'll help, surely. Good players being back, that's yep. good. That's um, analysis for you, Dan. I, enjoy, I enjoyed it, and it was very insightful. Thanks for that. Yeah, more good players, more wins. <laughs> By the looks of uh, whoscored.com's formation summary, they'll be playing 4-4-2, so we'll be, uh, we'll be dropping Calvin into a back three. There you go. Don't know what that'll mean, but, you know, it's some analysis, isn't it? There you go. Put that in a stats thread on Twitter, you bores. How will we do against Birmingham? Beat them. We should do, shouldn't we? 100 nil. <laughs> <laughs> or at least 10. Yeah, I think so. A goal for every decade. Yeah. Maybe we could bring on a, a player from every decade to, to stick it in. I'm going to go for a 2-0 to us. I'd be, I'd be perfectly happy with that. I'm going to say it'll be 2-0 to us with, I think we'll score the second in like the 79th minute and then we're going to get three in the last 10. It's going to turn into a proper party. A rout. Yeah. And everyone just marches straight into town. Big piss up. Yeah. It's almost like we want that a little bit more than the football, isn't it, sometimes? <laughs> it's um, our party and I don't want to be upset at the end of it. Not sure when we're going to be recording the next one after this. will probably be the game, uh, the day of the game against Preston away, so we should probably give it a quick mention now, uh, just in case we don't get that one out ahead of that match. Yeah, we'll lose this. When did they become good? It's really annoying. They're still managed by Alex Neal, so I don't understand how they're now good. It's one promotion from this league. Yeah, but... I mean, he's been trying with Preston for ages and he can't get them above, like, seventh, so... But then, you know, we we were trying the same thing and then we suddenly got to uh, third, didn't we? So, yeah, I'm a little bit worried about them. 
But we were a little bit worried about them last year, and then we went to their place and kind of took them apart because we're miles better than them. We do seem to have the ability to normally thrash them, but um, they beat Barnsley 5-1, and we didn't. We beat them, well, I thought we lost to them. I'm still morally giving that one to uh, but the difference, to Barnsley. Yeah, but the difference there is that Barnsley had their once-in-a-season good game, like a lot of teams do, like Millwall did, and that's just it's the Leeds factor. However, they've gone to Preston and just shown how crap they really are. Mm. Maybe Preston have had all their good games. That's what we can hope for. And how will we do here then? Are these two games? I'm saying, what, six points? I'm going to try and be optimistic. Somebody has to be. Michael? Three. Mm. Yeah, three. Uh, three in a crisis. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit worried. They do have the, the spirit of Daniel Johnston uh, up front for them, the singer who recently died. Is their, their main striker with uh, seven goals and he also has um, who? more than uh, anybody else's assists. I'm worried about Preston when I really, really shouldn't be. On to heroes and villains. Now then, the people who have either improved our lives over the last week or made them marginally worse. Every single week we pick a hero and we pick a villain. First, we pick our villains in the Ken Bates Villainy Award and Ken Bates gets the first nomination. That's the custom, always has been for as long as this award has been around. Um, He can't win it. Those are the rules. But what's he getting a nomination for this time? Well, this is Councilman Ken Bates again, Casper Wyoming. They're looking to renovate the Casper City Hall. The, the main reason is because um, it's to enhance security because of they describe it as active shooter kinds of situations. Kinds of situations. Because America, rather than just take the guns away, we'll just have to make the change the buildings to it's make like, them a bit better, more hiding places. I'm intrigued as well as to uh, kinds of situations. What other kinds of situations are similar to an active shooter? And what's Ken Bates going to do to mitigate them? I think they're trying to soften the fact that it's, that's what they mean entirely. It's just a sort that sort of, of a thing, yeah. You know, you know the sort of thing where someone comes in and starts shooting everyone. Yeah, that sort, that sort of a thing. We we want to make some changes. Um, what are they going to change? Well, it's not really clear. I think there's some other um, there's some other building work going to be part of this. I think, but Councilman Ken Bates, he, he basically doesn't think it it's particularly good value. So it makes more sense to build a second floor space atop an additional first floor space, including the proposal to avoid. Future cost should the city wish to add such a space. It said the project, along with the proposals for a new police station and a new fire station, make the money question significant. And of course, it all costs a lot of money. It all takes away from Simon's war chest. And it's Gary Cooper's fault. Him and his, him and his protests, it, it, it hurting the club. And who does he want me to sell to? What museum? Like? Shake rubber dub, <laughs> <laughs> and this is all happening in Casper, Wyoming. Which of these projects is viewed as a priority? I mean, it makes no sense. Well, it makes very Ken Bates sense. This is where I'm starting to think it might actually be him. Where it's, it makes he says it makes sense to build the second floor to avoid paying for it in the future in case we ever want it. <laughs> like you could literally say that about anything. It's like, oh, we, we may as well buy that Ferrari and pay for it now, just in case we ever want one, because then we'd have to pay for it then. Mm. Absolute cast-iron logic. Who else are we going to nominate? Bailey Peacock-Farrell, for ruining Stuart Dallas's uh, single-handed win over the Netherlands with his no-handed attempts at flying past a football that doesn't exist. Although I do, I did feel like nominate, nominating him as a hero as well, because he cheered me up. Having a right shit week until I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do feel bad for Dallas though, because he, basically he was beating 
how much was Van Dyke? About ninety million. Mm. Of the guy. It was he was beating about hundred hundred and sixty million pounds of the defenders by himself until this point. And Bailey P got Farrell let in about fifty pence worth of shot. <laughs> <laughs> But it was funny, so it was. Who else? Off. Uh, the FA just for failing to to deal with diving properly. Just do your jobs. Look at the video. Is there any contact? Absolutely not from any angle. Therefore, fine him, ban him, castrate him. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> if they'll put Jordan Stevens in a cage, then why won't they do anything to this fucker? I'd like to nominate Alex Ferguson. Sorry, Sir Alex, as you've got to call him these days. I think. Um, you know, um, Jermaine Beckford's interview with Phil Hay on The Athletic, the whole shirt swap. Uh, we'll call it a Farrago mm. um, after the win on January the 3rd. In was Twist. it a Stramash? Uh, potentially. Yeah, I'll say yes. Because uh, he said, my brother wanted Giggsy's shirt, but Fergie came over and said, don't speak to them. Don't give them any shirts. Everyone in the changing room now. It made the day even sweeter. Bitter old bastard, eh? Especially you don't want the shirt of an adulterer, do you? Though we should probably nominate Bexford's brother as well. Yeah. And Beckford himself we called him Giggsy. Cheating Ryan, I think his, his official name is. Anyone else? Uh, this one's come from Dan Holdsworth on Twitter, pointed this one out. It was um, an article about Ed Woodward, you know, the, the man you guy who's doing, doing a top job, actually. He's doing really, time. really well. Can't, can't really fault his work. So he's, not, he's certainly not a villain. But um, part of the article, he says he went to Brentford School, uh, which was also where Frank Lampard went. And did you see the other person who went there? Who? Neil Harris. You know, rough, tough... Never heard of him. ...on the streets, South London, Giza, went to a 20 grand a year public school. With Francis Lampard Jr. Yep, they were, they overlapped in years as well. Harris was there 88 to 93. Um, Lampard, I think, looking at it, in fairness, I think Harris might have been on some sort of scholarship. He was there for only five years, whereas Lampard was there from eight, 85 to 95, sir. <laughs> being all... Being all uh, Entitled to to his uh, to all of his goods, then doesn't matter how long you were there, you still all wear the same tie for the rest of your lives. That's true. So yeah, I just thought yeah. it was interesting that, that um, Brentford School are not only churning out a series of dickheads, but that Neil Harris is basically a fraud. The kind of brotherhood that is created by masturbating onto the same biscuits <laughs> <laughs> is not the kind of thing that gets broken easily. I mean, also um, Noel Edmonds went there, and the man who invented snooker. It was actually called uh, Sir Neville, Colonel Sir Neville Chamberlain, not the uh, Prime Minister, but yeah, I invented snooker in India in 1875 and he went to that school, so, you know. I'm detecting these people aren't necessarily the salt of the earth. <laughs> maybe the uh, maybe the, the really expensive rock salt of the earth that you're getting weight trials. So yeah, many, many politicians, Lord Andrew Lansley, Jack Straw, all went to the same school as Neil Harris. Do you think they're all a bit embarrassed when Neil Harris turns up? <laughs> Here he comes. So, I, oh, got any bargains on fruit and veg lately, Neil? I bet when he turns up there, I bet he's all hoity-toity. He turns, he, he quickly flips out of his Switches. of his geezer mode. But then everybody else is like, "You've seen seen that shirt he's wearing, <laughs> Neil? You can put mm. you can put those ridiculous false teeth that you wear away now. Those rodent teeth. <laughs> is that everybody then? All our candidates? I think so. And shall we pick a winner then? That's cool. The whole school. Brent, yeah, it school. Does, it does seem to be the uh, the origins of, of most of our uh, problems. Frank Lampard is again um, the whole Ross Barkley stuff um, with him being pissed in the back of a taxi and the police having to make him pay for it. it seems to be another thing that is not as bad as what Leeds did to him. Um, well, it didn't happen to him. Well, exactly. that's, that's the reason why. But People even, could be murdered and he would say, 
not as bad as them spying on me though, is it? But it didn't affect me as much, which is basically all he cares about. So, so this school for breeding that kind of uh, entitled insularity and and deal or no deal and dickheadedness <laughs> and for deal. <laughs> as well so right, them. okay let's move on to the Andy Hughes Hero Award now then somebody who's improved our last seven days who are our candidates for this week I am going to nominate Bailey Peacock Farrell actually because nothing has made me happier <laughs> I think I'm just going to watch it again you talk about the other ones I'm just going to find that tweet and look um, at the video again a man of uh, simple pleasures and just to counterpoint the FA for not having the bollocks to cite that diving uh, Bradshaw prick from Millwall I would like to uh, nominate the FA's independent disciplinary panel Great bunch of guys. Well done for doing the absolute bare minimum you should be doing. And overturning Barardi's red card. Uh, Josh Warrington as well. I'd like to nominate him for flying the flag for Leeds. Sterling work. Excellent. I know a lot about boxing and he punched him really hard in the face. <laughs> is what happened to that guy. Right in the face and he fell over. <laughs> in the face? In the face. He fell over then the referee had to say, don't punch him in the face anymore. You'll kill him. Uh, but it was very good. Who else is getting nominated? A very late uh, bid from Brighton boss Graham Potter saying that they've got no intention of selling Ben White uh, to Liverpool specifically. Because um, he's other... coming to Leeds. Well, he says Ben White at Leeds has a great opportunity to work with Bielsa and compete in the championship in front of a big and hostile crowd. So good for him. It's going to be soul-destroying for him when I drag him back here to work for me in front of a wet little crowd of, of Brighton fans. Back to our heroes. Who else? Uh, Danny Mills, he selected his combined Liverpool and Man U teams on Sky Sports. And <laughs> this was an outstanding bit of trolling. And it was uh, just a Liverpool team. <laughs> Fantastic. Good. That is really, really high level, petty shithousery. That I, I we, it's what's what being a football fan's all about, doing stuff like that, isn't it? I only saw it go around on Twitter, so I only saw the end image. Did he drag the players in one by one? I hope so. Because that would be, if you're kind of building it, it's like, <laughs> in net, gone for Alisson, just going to... Yep, yep, Van Dyke there, yep. He's going to get to... Well, he's running out of players, isn't he? He's not, he's not going to put Lingard in, is he? So, yeah, excellent. Well done, Danny. Yeah, good work. That was really, really good work. Who else? And Stuart Dallas, just for being better than all of Holland's defenders. Although, to be fair to Delict, he did uh, perform grooves in the heart, which is a, it's a little bit of a <laughs> oh, shame. Oh, that's, that's soured the milk in his studio, it's let me a, tell you that. It's a bit of a shame that he had to lose out. Another uh, right on point cultural, sociocultural <laughs> reference for the kids as well. Is the, pod- some, the podcast generation. Is there some way that we can launch this just back in 1990? <laughs> it would be lovely, wouldn't it, if such a thing existed? But sadly, it doesn't. Uh, is that everybody this time? I think so. And the winner is? Well, you know who I want to win. Ellie Peacock Farrell. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm inclined to say Josh Warrington. Just, you know, he's doing more than Radrizani, I'd say, to get Leeds United's name out there. This is because you don't want to punch you. Yeah. Because he would. He's good at it. I'm prepared to uh, go for Danny Mills in this, but if you think that we should go for somebody else, then, I mean, it's a three-way split. A split decision. That that happens in boxing, doesn't it? (laughs) I've heard of it. Maybe there'll be a technical knockout next. Um, Yeah, give it Danny Mills. That's so fucking ridiculously stupid and childish that I'm I'm absolutely 100% (laughs) in favour of it. Are you fine with that, Michael? Fair enough. (laughs) It's petty, isn't it? Yeah, which is what we're all about. Issue three of the mag comes out for the centenary game against Birmingham. It's on sale on the streets at Ellen Road and via our website, along with loads of Ace merch. You will be able to spot it because there's a picture on the front of Marcelo Bielsa in a flying pizza baseball cap. That's our contribution to 100 years of Leeds United history, and I don't think we could have done any better. Speaking of 90s cultural references, that is a, to any younger listeners, that is a throwback to Howard Wilkinson, who used to wear the... 
flying pizza caps. You see, it's an opportunity for, for people to learn. He's wearing a really cool um, Umbro tracky top as well. I believe it is the work of Lee Shackleton. Sometimes we're our leads off Twitter. He occasionally had a Gatorade hat, I think, as well. Sometimes I'm sure I'm sure he had that on probably before Fotherby did the flying pizza deal. And the, was... the history of of uh, flying pizza as well. It's a restaurant in Round Eye, a pizza restaurant, as you might imagine, where the players all went when we won the league. They all met there, didn't they? And mm-hmm. had a bit of booze. It's where Fotherby uh, put the word out that he was um, trying to sign Diego Maradona. It's a very storied place. It's got a lot of Leeds United history, and uh, so a worthy addition to our centenary front cover. That's on sale via the website and you can get uh, subscriptions to The Extra Ball. Our other podcasts on there, everything you need is at thesquareball.net. So as we enter our second century this week, how do we feel? Old. Had enough yet? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a big part of it. I feel, I feel just about okay. Yeah, if we could, you remember the, the glory days of 2007 when we thought this was all good, just going to end. <laughs> I wouldn't have minded just going back to that because the last the 12 years since haven't been. <laughs> Death would be a great release for us. <laughs> <laughs> Three points on Saturday, then. Good stuff. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. We'll speak to you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.